You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, welcome to our Monday show. Mississippi State getting swept this past weekend at home to LSU. I'm Bar Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville here on this Monday evening. Appreciate you hanging out with us here on a Monday. And, uh, Charlie, we were in the studio yesterday morning, and uh, you have the controls again today over there. And you played us some music yesterday morning for – and yeah, I knew you had your phone out. I knew you had your phone out today. I didn't know if if you were going to play music all day today, like you did yesterday. You never know. It's today is going to be a work in progress. I'm afraid. You know, some days you just got to play hurt, Bart. So this is like Rascal Flats, right? This is Rascal Flats. It is. Have we heard anything out of Rascal Flats lately? It's almost like they they went away and Dan and Shay came in and they sound just alike. Who is Dan and Shay? I'm not familiar with their work. Well, it's a duo. No. Country music. Duos are the thing now. Yeah. Hey, um, April the 11th. Hey, on this day in sports, in 1921, 101 years ago today, was the first ever live. Okay. Crank it up for me. There you go. Is that uh, sad enough? That's sad enough. April the 11th, 1921, KDKA in Pittsburgh broadcast the first live sporting event on the radio. 101 years ago today. Was it baseball? No, it was boxing. A boxing match between Johnny Ray and Johnny Dundee. And, of course, two-way radio was the big thing back in the early 20th century. And so they were kind of trying it out. And then four months later, that same station in Pittsburgh broadcast the first ever Major League Baseball game. Did you know that? No, so it was in, you said Philadelphia? No, Pittsburgh. Oh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, their rival. It's like saying Nanawoya knocks the Pater. It happened in Pittsburgh. On this day, 2004, Phil Mickelson won his first ever major, won the Masters. Remember that? So, yeah, you know, I've actually used – you may remember last year during baseball season that I used Phil Mickelson as kind of one of my rallying cries. Do you remember this? Basically what I said was it was after one of the tournaments where Mickelson couldn't close it on Sunday, and the reporters are just hounding him about not winning a major. And Phil finally looked at him and said, guys, y'all are asking me about winning a major. I'm not trying to win a major. I'm trying to win lots of majors. And I feel like if I get that first, then I'll win a lot more. So he got his first today, got his 2004. First, April the 11th, 2004. Did I ever tell you in 1999 in the U.S. Open, I was, was Payne Stewart year, wasn't it? I was right the, inside the ropes at the right there at the green, and that was the year that Phil Mickelson's wife, Amy, was about to have their first child. And he had, like, the beeper had the bleeper, the beep, Had the beeper on right then. And so Payne Stewart actually hit it in the rough, and uh, Josh Quinn looked at me and says, man, I tell you what, I bet Payne Stewart loved another name, <laughs> the number of that beeper right now. <laughs> so, yeah, that was in 2004. Okay, also on this date, and this is the last one I'll do, in 1970, Apollo 13 launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida. That is a movie, by the way, that stops me down. Oh, me if, too. If I'm running the channel, I see that come on, and it gets me every time. I like the whole Walter Cronkite thing. You know, they've got some of his newscast kind of spread in there. 
Yep, on this day, 1970. And it was an oxygen tank that uh, that blew up. And then the, the famous words from Jim Lovell, Houston, we have a problem. I wonder if he said it as dramatically as Tom Hanks said it. But you had Jack Swaggart. You had Jim Lovell, of course, and then Fred Hayes, Fred Hayes, of course, from Mississippi, Biloxi, Mississippi native, friend of the show. Well, we need to have him on the show. We need to make him a friend of the show. That would be kind of cool. It would. All right, let's talk about yesterday. Do you want to uh, talk about yesterday? Well, the weather was nice. Weather was perfect yesterday. The wind was blowing just a tad. Weather at 78 miles an hour, trying to salvage a game in the three-game series against LSU, and we just didn't do it. No, we didn't come close. Uh, to be candid, LSU, when we look up the end of the year, they're going to be, what, second in the West probably? I think this weekend will have a lot to do with that. They go to Arkansas. Yeah, they go to Arkansas this weekend, and then it gets easier for them, to be quite honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see them number two in the West this year when it's all said and done. Like their bullpen. Their bullpen is pretty good. Better than their starters. It is. Their starting pitching is very pedestrian. I thought this LSU team was, was a very pedestrian team. I mean, I hate to, right now they, they could get better as it heats up late in the year down in Baton Rouge. I know that we out hit them in terms of hits, but they seem to score more runs. I just feel that that is a better offensive team than even what we saw. They seem good because we were on the receiving end of it, but I think that offense for LSU is going to be pretty good down the stretch. Now, looking back, if you're looking for, bright, looking for bright spots, I thought Brandon Smith was very good in the Saturday game. I thought we you know, pitched it well in certain situations. Now, all of a sudden, Brandon Smith, what's your rotation going forward? Do you put him in a rotation this weekend? I don't know. I don't know. This gets into a psyche question. All things being equal, I think he earned a, a shot. The question is whether Brandon Smith, you feel like, is better coming out of the pen, whether you use an opener, so to speak, whether you use somebody to get through the first five guys in the order and then you bring him in. What were we saying a month ago? That Parker Stanett, we finally found his spot. He had trouble in the bullpen. Now we move him to the starting role. He seems more comfortable here. And now what are you going to do now? Are you going to move Parker Stanett back to the bullpen where a month ago you were sitting there saying he's not suited for the bullpen? Brandon Smith, another thing you ask yourself too is, you gonna play music all day? I don't know. I was just, I just thought maybe a little "Let Me Down Easy" by Billy <laughs> Currington. Are you just scrolling through your phone right now? Pretty much. Hey, going back to Apollo 13, I'm the same way. When that movie's on, I'm watching it. I mean, I'm watching that movie. Shawshank Redemption, same way. Are there any other movies that that are on TNT that when they pop up, you'll watch? Fletch. Pretty Woman. No, I'm not watching Pretty Woman. Uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, okay. Serendipity? Okay. Um, R.J. Yeager had a He's good week. He's been good. He's been really good in league play. Was a good was a good this weekend, I think. Uh, right now, he's one of your better hitters overall. How many solo home runs do we hit this weekend? Solo home runs? Let's see, Yeager hit one yesterday. Slade Alford was a two-run home run yesterday. I think that's another question, too, about, you know, are we at the point now where this that red-lit button – that uh, that with I mean that you you hit this the emergency that you push the panic button is this it are we at that point right now are we at that point yet do you push a panic button 
Is now the time where you blow it up? Is now the time where you say, hey. No. Uh, but ask me again a week from today, then I think I think we'll know. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Are we at the point now where, okay, something has to to be different in the lineup? Is this when you do start inserting some younger guys into the lineup? I don't to- think we're there yet, but I think we're to the point now that we need to we need to know the combination of the suitcase so we can hit the button. Yeah, right, to the briefcase. We're close. We're close, but I think you give it this weekend. And so let me try to be the happy guy here, Bart. Can I try to be happy a minute? I'm happy. I was just talking about R.J. Yeager. I think from my standpoint, and I could get your favorite song. <sighs> so you love Pharrell, don't you? I've hated this song since the uh, the girl won Miss America using the cups to oh, the song. That was so cheap. Remember that? That's okay. Um, oh, I never, so I never thought when I walked in here today I would reference Miss America, a pageant. But well, go that just ahead. Shows where we are right now. Um, number one, R.J. Yeager's pretty good. All right, that guy's giving you what you need. Um. Brandon Smith was good. Pico Khan was good. Slade Offer was good and has won at bat. Got to get him some more. But I didn't think our pitching until yesterday. Yeah, we ran out. You know, I thought Cade Smith. Now, here's the thing. I, I put a lot of prefaces on Cade Smith in a game yesterday. After going back and watching, man, that was just a lazy fly ball to left field. And it hit off the wall. And I know the wind is pushing that ball away from Cumbus. McGowan in center field, he kind of gave up and gave it to Cumbus there at the end. And so all of a sudden you got a triple, all right? And so you end up giving up three runs in that inning, and then LSU's got the lead. Or two runs already, and LSU's got the 3-1 lead. And then the line drive to short, and just not having the ability to make that throw. And I know you're off balance when you catch a line drive. It's not like fielding a ground ball and setting your feet, and you're trying to make a throw in a hurry. But that throw wide of first base, that kept the inning alive because Barry was trotting back in the first base. He was jogging back in the first. He had given himself up to be doubled off of first base. And when you don't do that there, and then the next pitch is yanked out of the yard, and then six to one, boom, the game's over. I just thought there were plays there to be made that we didn't make all that, weekend that though. did not help Cade Smith. And I start, you know, you start thinking about, you know, the one for 15 with runners in scoring position on Saturday. That we we've talked about that. We talked about not being able to score runs on base hits in the game on Friday. And then yesterday, you know, the first six innings we had six hits, one in each of the first six innings. And so that's, <laughs> I mean, we just can never. And we finally got three hits in the seventh inning, bunched something together and got a two-run home run. We just could not could not get anything going together. Got a leadoff single in the fourth inning, and then they bring in Grant Taylor, and, you know, he makes a sign of nine compete clause the rest of that inning. <laughs> Goodness. What he came in and got three straight strikeouts. So Man, just – One looking, two swinging, I think. Yeah, one looking, two swinging. And uh, so, all right, I want to break down a few things here. Okay. Number one, what do you do defensively right now? What's our lineup? Because I'm going to make the argument that we have to pick one and go with it, at least for a while. People can agree or disagree, but I want you to operate on that premise that for the next four games, that tomorrow and all next weekend, we've got a lineup. Now, 
caveat, I would let you give me a platoon if you wanted to go left, right at a spot. Yeah. I, I would I would go with that if you wanted to. So, for example, something I'm going to have in my approach is we're going to have a right-handed DH. We're going to do some different things. But let's kind of walk through them. Catcher, we know what you got. First base, you know what you got. Left field, you know what you got. Right field, you know what you got, right? But isn't everything else kind of movable? I mean, how crazy do you want me to get with my lineup? I mean, because it goes back to the point of, well, what button are you pressing, all right? Are you trying to unlock the briefcase right now to get the code, or are you ready to press the button? I mean, that's, to me, that dictates what lineup I give you, okay? Because I say that to say this. I want your pre-blow-it-up lineup. I think there is there there are two different camps right now about what you do at shortstop. Do you play Lane Forsyth? Do you play Tanner Leggett? And... The argument for playing Leggett was that he was hitting better, but at least in league play, Forsyth's been hitting better, right? In league play, Lane Forsyth is 7 for 19, batting 368 in SEC play, right? He's made two errors in SEC play. You know, Leggett, 2 for 14 in league play. They've both made two errors each. I think you just got to pick one. That's... And and I think, you know, there's a lot of baseball people to say, so who do you pick? I, th- I think I go with Lane Forsyth. I just go with Lane Forsyth and roll it out there and go. Now, the other option All right, was now. Well, maybe neither. Well, that's what I was about to say. I mean, how, how far down the line do you want me to blow it up? Do you want me to move Jaeger over to shortstop, move Cameron James to second, and Slate Offord to third? Do you want me to move Cameron James to center field, Slate Offord to third? Do you want to get Aaron Downs? Is he is he healthy? Is he well? Do you want to start playing some more freshmen, getting him some more at-bats? And the problem is, I guess, at one level, we don't have enough info to know. That's right. That's exactly the case. But I will, I will make the case that I do know one thing. And even then, I'm limited in info. I think we've just – we've run too many guys through the turnstile out at center field. And I go back to the play we just talked about. This is kind of what got me down this path a little bit. Center fielder has to take charge of that ball. That ball was in the air too long, and I haven't gone back to time it, but that ball was in the air too long not to be called. That ball that is the triple, you know, off the wall that gets the inning started, that's an out 98% of the time, 95% of the time. Well, it's got to be an out at this level. And, and like so I go back to the point. Somebody's got to go get it. I know the wind's blowing, and I know it's a tough play, and I know it's a high sky, but that's a play that's got to be made at this level. And, and and you wonder if you've got somebody, and I'm not even saying McGowan should have been in there, and I know he's battled injuries, but if somebody is in that spot who's played there more, are they a little more willing to say, it's my ball, and just go get it? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Agents in all 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. Tremendous customer service, home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for. Go by and see our great friends at Farm Bureau. All right, hey, let's look back at the weekend. And we always have our Player of the Weekend brought to you by our good friends at Heartland Catfish. And Heartland producing that finest, the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish you can possibly get. And you can find it at a lot of local grocery stores, but also great restaurants throughout the southeast. And one of those restaurant groups, Southern Hands, in the Memphis area. They have three in Memphis, one in Olive Branch. But Southern Hands, the, the home-style cooking, it is absolutely phenomenal. 
and you can get that great Heartland catfish at all the four locations of Southern Hands Homestyle Cooking in the Memphis area. All right, what you got? What you got is your player of the weekend. It's got to be R.J. Yeager, right? Are you familiar with the Catfish Blues by Jimi Hendrix? Yes, I am. I wonder if partly catfish, like a little catfish blues. The catfish blues? Hey, they got blue and black label. So, who's my player of the week? Yeah, that's uh, R.J. Yeager. Had three hits in the game yesterday, two singles and a home run. You look back at the Saturday game, he had three hits in the Saturday game, had a home run. Lead off home runs at the bottom of the first inning in the last two days. And so you're getting some pop out of that position. So one of the arguments that was out there was that that's proof you should not have moved him to the leadoff spot because you need him hitting the middle of the order with guys on base. Look, I don't care where he hits them. Uh, The good news about batting somebody first or second is the idea you just get them up there more. And you only lead off the game once, right? Just so happens that's when he spent his home runs. But can we go ahead – and write that position down in pen now and just say that R.J. Yeager is our leadoff guy. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, let's go ahead and do it. And it doesn't matter if he goes one for his next 20. And, hey, look, going back to the, going to that point, you know, Hunter Hines is one for his last 30. And and we talked about this yesterday. And Hunter, he had <laughs> – let me tell you, that first time up yesterday, hits a ball, screaming shot. Trey Morgan made a great play, diving play going on the line. And then uh, he hits a ball, chops a ball up the middle, got the double play ball. You know, Hunter's a guy that's going to hit. He's just going through one of those little funks right now you just go through. Feels like he just needs a day or two to breathe. I was surprised to see him in the lineup yesterday, to be honest. And I was surprised to see after on Saturday where they had flipped he and Kellum Clark, they flipped it back. Now, Kellum didn't have a big weekend at the plate either. How many hits did he have this weekend? Well, Kellum was uh, one for four in the game yesterday. He went 0 for four in the game on Saturday, and then on Friday, Friday. 0 for for four. So one hit on the weekend. All right, let me flip the page to you. Okay. Who are you starting in center field? Oh, boy. Um, Jess Davis. Are you? Yeah, what's he hitting right now? 298. Now, look, he's been overpowered some, too. I just, I got to go with somebody. Yeah, you got to pick somebody. So I've got to do one of two things. Okay, if you tell me that we need a defensive-minded lineup, then I'm probably putting Skinner out there and just hoping he hit some ground balls and beat them out. We saw him do that yesterday. If you're telling me we need an offensive lineup, and I realize there are serious defensive limitations involved in what I'm about to say, but I'm going to move Cumbus back out there, and I'll just put an empty trash can out and left and hoping something falls in it now and then. So not having – a center fielder right now that anybody's taking charge. And we, we're just talking about the revolving door. And we talk about this program. And we talk about Mississippi State being a top ten national program. Is this essentially like Ohio State not having a right guard? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Well, let's think about it this way. When is the last time, the answer is never for me, that you can think of that we've played this many guys in center field? It's been a while. so. And you start to think back, even some guys who, like, really had to wait their turn. You know, go back, what would you give for a David Mitchell right now? You know, David Mitchell was the starter after Jody Hurst. The guy had to wait and wait and wait and then took big-time advantage of his turn. He was a center fielder on that 90 team. 
What would you give for a Grant Hogue? And, you know, one of the things you'll hear people say is, well, we got too many JUCO guys. Well, Grant Hogue was a JUCO guy. That guy could play. Yeah, and so, but he was one of a few. But what would you give for C.T. Bradford right now? C.T. Bradford right now. You know, C.T. Bradford, when he came in here, you know, early in John Cohen's career, I guess it was, what, 2010 when C.T. got here. He had Grant Hogue early in the career. Um, you know, Ryan Collins go forth kind of split time in there. What was that? Is that 08, 09? Yeah, he inherited go forth. And, um, and then C.T. locked it down for a while there. 2014, and so then Mangum jumps in there in 16. So, I mean, there haven't been a whole lot of center fielders in the last 20 years, to be honest with you. And when was Joseph Hunter here? Hunter was here in 03, early 2000s when Coach Pohl came back. You had Robson for a time. Yeah, Jacob Robson. He was here, what, 14, 15? He was here 13, 14, 15. Well, we'd love to have him back right now. Is he up right now? No, he's in Triple A. He's been right on the edge. He's in Toledo, right? I believe he's with the Mud Hens. Yeah, Toledo Mud Hens, Triple A with the with the Tigers. Um, so first of all, our player of the weekend brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish, and once again, a great, great catfish over in the Mississippi Delta in Itabina, Heartland Catfish. Um, pitcher of the weekend, Brandon pit- Smith. Pitcher of the weekend brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country pleasing. Talked to Henry the other day. Hey, and hey, listen, yesterday I told you I was going to do it. I got the sausage dog down at the concession stand, brought it back up to the booth, and that was my pregame meal yesterday. They put that slaw on it at the stadium. It's fantastic. But you noticed yesterday it wasn't the normal. It was jalapeno cheddar. jalapeno cheddar. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so they'll do that every now and then. They'll, They'll change you up a little bit. They'll throw that pineapple pork out there every now and then. They'll throw you just the original, which is really good. But, man, I'm a jalapeno cheddar guy. I, I am a jalapeno cheddar guy, but I'll tell you, we've kind of been on a three-cheese kick at my house. It's good, man. It's really good stuff. Um, it's heavy. It's good, though. Man, it's good. Um, but you've got all those different kinds. I, I haven't tried one that I just don't like at all. And so, yeah, good friends. Henry Cooper and the gang down at Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. And they're expanding the butcher shop. And uh, they're they're getting that going right now, doing the dirt work for it, getting it expanded. Perfect place for all your tailgating needs at Country Meat Packer. So, yeah, Brandon Smith, no doubt. He's our pitcher of the weekend. So I was leaving yesterday, and somebody stopped me as we were walking out of the booth because he wanted to talk about the – it was the songs that we had, but there was something else that came up that you had said yesterday that he wanted to talk about. I said, I said a lot of stuff yesterday that you looked at me and said, I can't believe you said that. Yeah, but this one was in a lighter moment. But in any event, he was telling me about uh, what he calls kind of the, you know, the, the miracle mile there. He said, you know, you got Jerry's Catfish that we talk about, the sort yes. of heartland, and then you got Country Pleasing right across from it. And so he says he hits them all the time, and he always makes sure to tell them that, that we talk good about them. So if you do go to Country Pleasing. Yes, if you do go, you need to walk up and say, hey, Bart and Charlie told me to come. And, and then uh, they'll double the price. They'll double the pot price for you. Out of there. And they may give you something to, to try. They've got those pinwheels. Those things are awesome. They've got the, oh, let me tell you, the macaroni and cheese stuffed in the pork tenderloin. <laughs> Have you had <laughs> Goodness, that? No. Yes, that's fantastic. Anyway, they smoke ribs on Saturday, but pork butts. Man, it's good stuff. Anyway, that's a country pleasing. Yeah, Brandon Smith was uh, was really good, kept the ball down. And, you know, you got out of Brandon what you thought. Here's what you got out of Brandon. And here's what you know when you get Brandon Smith out there. You know you may give up some hits, 
Your defense has got to get ready to play behind him. But he is not. He is not going to get a many three ball counts. So you just hit on something that I guess we should take into consideration. Does your starting lineup depend on who's pitching? Meaning, with a Brandon Smith out there, am I more likely to need a Braylon Skinner in center and a Lane Forsythe at short? You get the idea. Am I going to have to play better defense with him out there because I can expect balls to be put in play? Is that a reason to be different than maybe when Preston Johnson is out there? I don't know. I mean, I just think you got to score some runs. I mean, I just think this league right now is predicated on scoring runs. And so I just think every game out there, I'm putting my best lineup offensively out there. And I'm going to be like LSU. They're not a great defending team, but you know what? They put pressure on you offensively. In fact, they're a bad defending they team. They are a bad defending team. And they've just kind of figured that, hey, Jay Johnson has said, you know what? I'm going to boot some balls, but I'm going to put Doty out at second base. I'm going to find some guys out in the outfield. And the other thing he will do, he will flat throw a guy back to back to back. Didn't mind that at all. Let me tell Coach you something. Holt loved that. <laughs> Riley Cooper. Let me tell you, that dude. He is like the Sonny Deshara body type, but on a pitcher's mound. Speaking of Sonny Deshara. Oh, my gosh. Co-SEC Player of the Week this week, and uh, he's coming in here this weekend. So that's uh, that's in the close-up right now in the windshield. Is Auburn coming in here Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Does that affect the way if you did start Brandon Smith in place of Parker Stinnett, does that affect you – moving Cade Smith up to game two because all of a sudden now you're Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if you move Cade Smith up to game two, he's actually moving up two days this week. Do you wait to next week to do that if you did it? I think so because you're getting that day back, right? Right. Getting We th- don't have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday the next week, do we? No, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, so you basically get them on full rest, even adjusting. I don't think this is the weekend. I think you may adjust who your starters are. Right. You could see Brandon Smith in a Friday game. You see what I'm saying? So let me ask you this. What if, and I'm just saying what if, what if you were going to use an opener approach? Or even if you weren't, would you consider starting Pico in a ball game? Well, you got to figure out what you're going to do tomorrow night. Because here's what I was going to say. If you start Pico on Thursday, and then you bump, you just keep Preston Johnson on Friday and then throw Brandon Smith on Saturday, or Cade Smith on Saturday. But then you've got Brandon Smith kind of filling in behind wherever you want him. Or are you saying throw Pico Thursday night? Almost like an opener. All right, let me ask you this question. You're going to throw Pico Khan in his first ever start in a Thursday night game on national television, Super Bowl all weekend. Okay. Now, look, let me be clear. If I started him, I'm talking about going five outs. I'm not, I'm not talking about him as a guy that I'm looking for six innings for. What I'm saying is, do you use him as an opener and then you're coming Brandon Smith back trying to get four or five innings in behind him? I mean, you could see that. You could see that. Um, my thought on that whole deal is, is when you're a starting pitcher, you're not out there shagging fly balls in the outfield. You're in there by yourself in the uh, team room with the pool table kind of looking at all the pictures by yourself, then all of a sudden you start thinking about, man, there's going to be a bunch of folks here tonight. This is going to be on TV. I mean, what's he going to do? Go to three ball counts on five of the first six batters he faces and walk some guys? I mean, you, we've already seen that. Are you, yeah, well, are you thinking about doing the Trevor Fitz first time somebody gets on base? 
we saw that effectively. I mean, pretty close to it. But you you get what the I know, idea. I know exactly is. what you're saying. So let's go back. Let's break this down. So the the whole premise for those who aren't familiar with the idea of an opener is that you basically throw somebody who has the goal of just getting through the top of the order, and then that way, if you bring in a Brandon Smith, and you say we need four innings, it's fewer times that he has to face those guys. Basically, his turns through the order will sit heavier on the back end. Right. A Trevor Fitz. Yeah. Yeah, Trevor Fitz, 2013. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it could play in that way. Because he and Brandon Smith, got the lefty and the righty, both move the ball real well, to be honest with you. I mean, I it's can see It's a different that. kind of movement. Hey, that's outside the box. I like the way you're thinking. Well, I thought you were just, do something. I thought you were just going to come in here and play music today. I didn't know what to expect out of you. Yeah, I put my phone down, but I may get it back in a minute. We well, had not had any Johnny Cash yet. I'm not asking you to. I'm that's just saying. Right. I'm just kind of surprised. All right, looking around the league, around the SEC this past weekend, and you start looking right now, all right? And that's why I said, what kind of button are you put, pressing right now? Because right now, State and Ole Miss, how about that? State and Ole Miss tied for the bottom of the SEC West at four and eight. They got swept this weekend too. A and M is six and six, two games up on us, and then LSU now seven and five. LSU three games up on us. We came in tied with LSU on the weekend. Arkansas is eight and four. Bama and Auburn are both seven and five. You look over on the eastern side, Tennessee still unbeaten, twelve and zero. Georgia's eight and four. Florida, Vandy, five and seven. Kentucky, South Carolina, four and eight. Missouri's three and nine. Hey, so you start looking at RPI. So I was looking at RPI earlier today, Charlie. One of the 90s still? 91, which is the lowest in the SEC. Missouri, even though they're three and nine in league play, their RPI is 25. And so we're like 20 behind the next last person in the SEC and RPI. Now, it's a long way to go in baseball. But let me tell you something, though. The rows are getting shorter. I mean, we're getting pretty close to the midway point of SEC play. You got a chance to make up some in RPI, but we got to do it now. So, as we sit here right now, do you think it is more likely than not that we make the tournament or don't? What do you think is most likely? Making the SEC tournament. I'm not talking about the regionals. Right now, as we sit here, what do you got to be? You got to avoid being the bottom two, right? Yeah, you do. You got to avoid being the bottom two. Okay, you got Missouri out there, and we play Missouri at Missouri. So you got that one looming large right now. And you may be going to Missouri having to win two out of three to get in the tournament. You know, A&M has not played well, but they're hitting it better in league play. They're two games up on us right now. We go to Oxford next weekend, and we haven't been playing well. They haven't been playing well, but Ole Miss on the road at South Carolina this weekend. There's another team that's four and eight. Boy, somebody is going to be in the mood for a meltdown, not this coming weekend, but the following. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we're kind of fighting for it right now. We got Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's four and eight right now. They lost two out of three this weekend. By the way, if you're Mike Bianco, and it's not my business to to run the Ole Miss baseball program. But if, in fact, he was offered the LSU job, if, in fact, he was a real candidate, had options, man, read the room. Yeah, surely he didn't get – I don't know. I, I would be very surprised if anybody other than Jay was going to get that job. Well, I think Jay was a great hire. 
Oh, I do, I do too. But particularly since he brought Jacob Berry with him, that certainly helps. Yeah, in today's world of the you know transfer portal and things like that. I was talking to a college basketball coach, unaffiliated with Mississippi State, but he was preaching. He was saying somebody is asking him the question, you know, what about the guys coming in? You think there's some guys you can kind of develop and and build on? He's like, develop, <laughs> like. You don't do that anymore. He's like, we no longer care about the roster in two years. Everything, because of the way it's set up with NIL and the portal and all, he said every decision you make about your roster at this point has to be about next year, period. It's almost like Navy SEAL, that thought mentality of, you know, you have so many Navy SEALs that don't make it through the entire program. And they start talking about the Navy SEALs that don't make it in the program. They're talking about how that they're always looking, you know, two weeks ahead. I've got to – man, uh, we've got two more weeks of this. We've got three more weeks of this. And those are a lot of times the guys that don't make it. But the guys that make it are the guys that say, I just got to make it to breakfast the next day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. If, if, I, can make it, if I can make it to tomorrow morning and then the next day, if I can make it to tomorrow morning, it's almost that mindset. But that's t- kind of turned into – to coaching's world now, it's not It's not about building for three years from now. I'm seeing a guy that, man, he's going to be good in 2026. It's trying to get ready for next year, and then the next year you get ready for the next year. Well, you know, now what you do is you take that guy and you tell him to go to UAB. You watch them for two years if they're any good. When it's time to need them, then you go to him and say, hey, uh, what's your plans for next year? Yeah, and if you got a buddy of yours that's on the coaching staff at UAB and say, hey, listen, here's some things I need you to work on with him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, Let's uh, get Polk back over there. <laughs> it was sending me yeah, absolutely. All right, this weekend in the SEC, you've got LSU and Arkansas. Texas A&M is at Georgia. Kentucky at Missouri. Ole Miss at South Carolina. Boy, nothing big jumps out at you. Alabama at Tennessee. That could be interesting right there. Tennessee yet to lose a game in league play. And they've won 23 games in a row, and they're 23-0 and at home, okay? Florida, Vanderbilt, and that one is down in uh, – that one's up in Nashville. So, Florida and Vandy. So, um, hey, did you see that article that was out? Chris Lee in Nashville wrote the article about uh, – and I know he's a Vanderbilt guy – about the bats, about the PSIs of the bats, and uh, – about the the bat that was checked in the Tennessee Vanderbilt series a couple of weeks ago, and about how he had been getting word behind the scenes that the PSI of that bat was like 400 below. I think the normal bat's like 1,200 PSI, and it was like 700, 750, and it's gotten quiet. It's gotten quiet. You know, I didn't see any bats being checked this weekend. Although, did you see the Memphis deal? That was nuts. That was phenomenal. So the Central Florida – Hits a home run. They, a la George Brett and the Pine Tar. Although, did you see George Brett uh, tweeted out? He said, I beat my manager out there. In this case, <laughs> the coach beat the player. Coach beat the player out there. Coach comes out, Central Florida, and, and he was okay for a while. Then he got then he got mad at Darren at Rock. And he started yelling at Rock and Russ McNichol, thinking that they're the ones who started all this. And so then he gets tossed out of the game. To which then the Memphis pitcher starts yelling at the coach, taking up for Rock, and you know, so he gets tossed, and he gets tossed, and then they come back and say, "All right, the bat was okay." I mean, what a complete <laughs> umpiring! Right. Uh, we got to hit on this before we go. It didn't look. This is a little bit like getting beat by Alabama 
you know, 35 to 7 and complaining about the officials. Yeah. So I don't, umpiring wasn't the issue, except that it was a problem. And I just cannot imagine in a year where TrackMan is being used to evaluate umpires. And there's a great Twitter account that evaluates major league umpires. I don't know if you've ever seen this umpire scorecard. No, I haven't. They put out a graphic every game. And they, Are you telling me that's not very popular in the Angel Hernandez household? No, no. It is It is not kind to Joe West or Angel Hernandez. I guess Joe West is gone now. But they, they put up a chart, and they show the number of missed pitches and where they were. Like, you've got a graphic that shows where you missed, where you called a strike that was a ball, where you called a ball that was a strike, shows the percentage that you got right, and then it calculates – the run advantage that went to one team or the other by virtue of this guy's missed calls. So the Rangers game yesterday was like less than half a run difference and the Rangers won by six, so no big deal. But then you come back another, and because of those missed calls, they calculate that it was like 1.9 additional runs for the Angels in a game. So it's, it's pretty cool when you have to throw that percentage up there. That plate was big on Saturday. I can tell you this. I can't say many things with certainty, but this I can say. The SEC officiating Twitter account will never put out a scorecard like that. Oh, no. It may happen internally. We won't ever see it. And they won't say anything about the bats either. No, but it's out there. Watch batting averages. Watch home runs go down for a little while. In league ga- in, in league games. Yeah, and just go pull up the SEC network archives. And look and see whose bat looks a little different than it did. See if a guy's using a different bat on the weekend that he's using on a Tuesday night. How about that? Yeah. All right. Okay. Do that. Hey, enjoyed it as always. Thanks to our great friends, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. Our good friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland, of course, Southern Hands, home-style cooking in the Memphis area. Our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage and Country Meat Packers. And once again, our good friends at Bank First, bankfirstfs.com for any of your lending needs. All right, Charlie, we'll be back in the midweek. We got to—I guess we got to condense things down a little bit this week. We got a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, so we got to figure all that out. In a hurry! So, uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on the Monday show. Charlie's going to go back to uh, to Spotify and try to figure out some more sad songs for his listening. You know what I was looking for that I would like to have, and I don't immediately see it. Remember uh, Leonard's Losers, the old football deal, you know, get me out of here, Percy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got through it. We did. All right. Appreciate you joining us here on this Monday in Startwell, Mississippi. State will play UAB tomorrow, scheduled at 6 o'clock. Will you be there? No, it's Wyatt, right? Me and Wyatt tomorrow night? Yeah, my day job's going to get in the way tomorrow. Okay. All right. So, see you guys tomorrow night. If you can't come to the dude, you can uh, watch us on the SEC+. Plus. Thank you for listening to the Monday show.